Thank you for downloading the Aging Matters podcast. To find out more about how Transitions Life Care is providing care and comfort for life's changing needs, visit transitionslifecare.org. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one. With Nicole Claggett, here's the host of Aging Matters, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Good Saturday evening to you. I am Jason Kong alongside Nicole Cleggett representing Transitions Life Care and Transitions Guiding Lights, the lovely Nicole Cleggett. Nicole, how are you doing? I'm doing great, but you know, the way you introduce me, I always feel like I'm in a boxing ring. <laughs> representing Transitions Life Care and Transitions Guiding Lights in the... One- the heavyweight champion of the world! <laughs> no, I think I would be the banterweight. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was trying to give you a little extra credit, but I understand. A few more protein shakes, perhaps. Yeah, that's okay. A couple a couple rounds of training and you'll be good to go. We'll Everything going well? Everything is going well. You know, we had a great Harnett County Caregivers Summit right there in Millington. And we are ramping up for the Raleigh Caregivers Summit. Right before we were in here, I was looking at our numbers and they are coming on strong. So I'm super excited about that. If you're interested in going, you want to register now. Caregiversummits.org is the way to go. Uh, well, Nicole, we're going to spend uh, the first half of the show here talking about adult daycares, and uh, I'm very excited to have uh, Marcia Gerald here. She is the executive director of Sarah Care Adult Daycare Centers. Thank you so much for coming in this evening. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Marcia and I have a fun history together. Marcia and I met, oh gosh, probably 11 years ago now. And, you know, it was back in the day, you know, when you work in healthcare, there are certain rules you have to follow and you have to get certain permissions to like go into hospitals and and talk to people. And we were both in some sort of a a training session so that we were allowed to talk to the case managers actually at Rex Hospital. Mm -hmm. And we met each other and gosh, the rest is history, huh? We hit it off. And yes, we've been running strong ever since. And Marcia literally took me over to her uh, Sarah Care Adult Day Care Center when literally it was a building of a skeleton. It had just the metal beams and we put on hard hats and she said, and over here is going to be our dining room. And it was just a fun time. It was a fun time and it was really amazing to meet Nicole um who was an, an executive director at Adult Day Care Center up in New York, I think. Yeah, believe. yeah, so, yeah, many years ago. Yeah. So we just, yeah. So it's Adult Day Care Centers, for those that are listening, are, in my opinion, are the best get, kept secret. I mean, it's incredibly economical. You get an awful lot of services, and it's just really a win-win for family caregivers who are really trying to help their loved one age in place. So talk to us a little bit, Marsha, about what exactly an adult daycare center is. Sure. So an adult daycare center is exactly what it says. It's a daycare center for people to come to during the day. Um, We specialize in caring for people, um, senior adults, 65 and over, but adult daycare centers in general can also care for um, any adult that's 18 or over. Um, But for Sarah Care and for what we offer, it is for senior adults that have primarily cognitive impairments such as Alzheimer's, dementia, Parkinson's, strokes, and for those two that are just frail and elderly and need to be um, in a social environment during the day so that their families can go to work or the caregiver can just get a little break during the day. So let's let's sort of drill this down a little bit because I know that there are multiple types of adult daycare centers. There are the more medically based and then there are the more socially based. And I know that you are the medically based 
model, which also includes all the social aspects. Right. So talk to us a little bit about sort of what, where the line falls on that and what folks can and cannot receive in each type of Sure. So a social model is just that. It's a place for people to go and be social, you know, to have socialization, um, to do activities. Um, They're pretty independent. They don't need any assistance in the restroom. They don't need assistance with dining. Um, They're really there just for um, a good time, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, With the medical model, those are for individuals that typically need some additional care. Maybe they are incontinent or they um, need a little assistance with meals. They need assistance with restroom. Um, Maybe they're in wheelchairs or walkers and they need ambulation assistance. Um, So there's, that's the the biggest difference is just what do they need physically? um, What do they need in terms of emotional support and, you know, cognitive um, decline is a big part of it. So, you know, you're addressing the cognitive, um, challenges for for somebody as well. So I know that in the medical model, you also have a nurse on staff, correct? Yes. So we have an RN. She's there full time. And then we have certified nursing assistants. So those individuals are the ones that can provide assistance in the restroom. Or for example, we have a shower. So we're able to help people that need showers. Maybe it's not safe for them to do that at home. Um, and then with the RN on, on pl- in place, um, If somebody needs medications administered, the nurse is able to do that. If somebody um, has even um, is tube fed, Mm -hmm. uh, somebody could still go to an adult daycare center because of having the RN present. So we often talk about the need for respite for family caregivers, and I know that a number of your um, participants, not all of them, but do have a cognitive impairment. And so, you know, people often joke about that 36-hour day, that literally it just goes on and on and on. And talk to us a little bit about some of that relief that you've noticed family caregivers have experienced when they get to drop off their loved one and it becomes part of the routine. Does it really fuel them? It absolutely fuels them. Um, Some of my favorite stories are about um, sitting down with a family um, who is the caregiver, whether it's a spouse or whether it's an adult child. And, you know, when they come to the center initially, they are exhausted. Um, They feel like they they don't know where else to turn. Um, They feel like they have no life um, because their life is so wrapped up in taking care of that individual. But once they get that person into the program and they just get into the routine of dropping the person off in, in the morning, picking them up, um, the families, family members start to be like, they can breathe again. Mm-hmm. I mean, Even take a nap if they want to. They can take a nap. <laughs> they can go shopping. You know, they can do things for themselves. And that's the one thing that caregivers just, they end up not being able to do anything for themselves. And then, you know, ultimately, they're the ones that end up with um, health problems or um, emotional drain drainage and things of that nature. So when you start to see the relief literally in their, on their faces, um, some of them say, I can breathe again. Mm-hmm. Some of them feel like, say, I used to feel like I was in this dark tunnel. Now I literally feel like there's there's light in my life again. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are huge things. Yeah. And, you know, Nicole, one of my favorite stories um, that I have about a family caregiver is a gentleman that um, came to me shortly after we opened, and um, he had already picked out an assisted living center for his wife. Um, But he saw our advertisement, and he said, hmm, I wonder what this is all about. So he started bringing his wife two days a week, and then it went to five days a week, and then then he added showers. um, Mm. And six years later, um, he sat in the same exact chair where we first met, and he had to, at that point, make the make the transition to place her in assisted sure. living. 
But um, he said to me, Marsha, Sarah Kerr gave me six more years with my wife. In the same house. In the same mm-hmm. house. Um, and that to me just says what adult daycare centers can do. They can keep families together in their homes for the for the couple. They can keep the promise mm-hmm. to one another. Right. Um, and the only reason he placed her was because his health was starting to fail. Right. And he was concerned that what if something happened to him. Right, right. Um, he but to plan. say that adult daycare centers gave them six more years together is huge is just amazing that early truly is and nicole one thing i wanted to clarify is although we're a medical model we do have we're really a combination so we have people there that do not need any type of um, support from the nurse or from the cnas Um, so they have their more of the social component Mm -hmm. of it Um, but the nice thing about being a combination is that as that person um, is th- their cognition just starts to decline or physically they start to decline, they can still stay at that center. Whereas if they were in a social model, they would no longer be able to stay there. They would have to transition into a different adult daycare center that was the medical model. So having the combination is really ideal for long-term you know, care. Definitely. And, you know, um, yeah, a couple of weeks ago, my referral specialist at Transition Scotting Lights was at vaca- on vacation, and, you know, we were inundated with referrals. And one of the referrals that we got was a woman calling, and she was kind of explaining how she doesn't have any time for herself. And she was really feeling very guilty and very emotional, feeling like she needed to take the step to place her husband. She didn't really want to bring caregivers into her home. Um, and she just didn't know what to do. So, you know, to be, it really sounded like he didn't need a whole ton of physical care, and he would have been the ideal placement mm-hmm. for uh, an adult daycare center. So I explained to her about, you know, your organization and a couple of others, and she just, it, it, it was like she had won the lottery because, mm-hmm. you know, it was going to give her some time for herself to refuel. And yet she could still, I like how you said, keep the promise to her husband that they would be together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's, and it's incredibly affordable as well. I mean, I, I know there's a wide range of what adult daycare centers charge in the area, but comparatively speaking, to bring in an in-home private duty caregiver, I mean, it, you get a lot of bang for your buck, so to speak, right. in adult daycare. As we talk about so often, being able to keep that part of yourself uh, is so key to being able to be successful on your caregiving journey. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be back with more. Stick around. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Cleggett from Transitions Guiding Lights, here's your host, Jason Kong. We're back on Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care here on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here alongside Nicole Cleggett. Our guest this evening is Marsha Gerald. She is the executive director of Sarah Care, and they are in the business of adult daycare centers. And Nicole, just before we wrapped up the last segment, we were uh, we mentioned how affordable adult daycare can be. And I think that's really important to address because, you know, we say that, but that could mean affordable can mean different things to different people. So uh, let's let's focus a little bit here on the cost of adult daycare. Yeah. You know, um, you know, if you think about it, you know, if you're you're sort of in a crossroads and you need to make the decision about, you know, how do I help my loved one age in place? And you 
start looking at the cost of private duty in-home care, that can be upwards of $22 to $25 per hour with a four-hour-a-day minimum. And But if you're looking at adult daycare and how a loved one can be there, you know, from what time in the morning at your center? Sure. So we're open Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. And on average, if someone's there a full day, it may cost around? So our our full day rate is $82 a day. Uh, and we have half day rates, which is for four hours or less, which is 57 So that's huge, right? So, you, I mean, that is a com- tremendous, you know, cost savings. And also on top of that, you get the socialization aspect. Correct. But you also get um, a breakfast, Mm -hmm. you get lunch, you get snacks that are all included. And then, of course, all of the care, all the activities. Um, And one of the things I think that's important for people to understand, too, is that there a lot of people don't want somebody to come into their home. Mm -hmm. So they opt not to do that. Right. And then they and then there is the affordability cost. Um, So when you think about eighty two dollars a day, open 11 hours I mean you're talking about less than ten dollars right an hour yeah not even make a minimum wage at Sarah right and (laughs) you aren't Marsha what's going on here (laughs) but you think about it even for you know child care you can't get a babysitter for ten dollars an hour so and and instead you're getting all of those services um, in a social environment and you know what's important to think about too is um, the the isolation factor that people have if they are at home all day long by themselves or with with just one one caregiver. One of the things I remember mostly about your center when it first opened, and we were joking about how all of the initial people that were joining were men, right. and it was like the men's group. And you know, but you do have a lot of veterans as well, and I think that's really important for folks to know that you know what types of things can help pay for adult daycare. So yes, out of pocket is one option, but there's also but the, yes. So if somebody is a veteran and if they do qualify, then um, we are a VA provider, as are other adult day mm-hmm. programs as well. Um, but the other um, possible way for it to be covered is through long-term care insurance. Yes, and And so that's not your Blue Cross and Blue Shield, and that's not your Medicare. This is a very specific type of insurance that you purchase. Correct, correct. And with long-term care insurance, it can cover community-based service, which is in-home care and adult day. And then there's usually the second component, which is the institutional care of assisted living memory care units. And for those listening, you know, you may be thinking, oh, yeah, my mom has uh, long-term care insurance, but when I looked at the policy, it said nursing home care. And be very careful because when those policies were written, when your loved one purchased that policy many, many years ago, there weren't a lot of other options. And so that is what those policies were written for. But if you call your long-term care insurance company, they would much rather pay for adult daycare or in-home care or, you know, a little bit of this and that. A geriatric care manager, even at times, is way more affordable for that policy to cover that service. So just because it may just say nursing home coverage, that doesn't mean that's true. Have you had that experience? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah they are definitely willing to work with the, with the um, individual that has the policy. So the other thing, too, you know, as we're talking about people not so keen necessarily on bringing individuals into their home, I believe that folks at your center and other centers in the area can actually bring some of those ancillary services into the adult daycare center so that person can get physical therapy and occupational therapy and speech therapy and also other services, correct? That is correct. Um, At our center, we have a beauty shop, um, beauty barber shop. So we have a beautician that comes in. Um, We arrange for podiatry services to come in. Um, Those are big, big things for people because getting somebody out um, to an appointment can be very challenging. Mm -hmm. Um, Taking somebody to the the beauty parlor, for example, example, might be challenging for somebody that has a cognitive deficit and 
the beauticians don't necessarily, or hairstylists, sorry, I'm old, um, <laughs> they don't necessarily know how to work with somebody with dementia. But, mm-hmm. you know, my beautician's been with me since day one, and she specializes in caring for senior adults. So she knows how to work with somebody to get that haircut done. Yeah, and I just think that is, you know, an awesome, awesome service. And the other thing that I think differentiates your center um, from a lot of the other ones that are currently in this area is that for some people, you're able to provide transportation. So if you're in a situation, I'm thinking about a spousal situation where maybe it's just a huge, arduous task to get your loved one in a vehicle Mm -hmm. and, you know, then have to drive them someplace. And, and, you know, just to get them to the doctor, that just seems like an insurmountable task. If folks live within a certain radius, you can provide transportation too, correct? We can, and our certain radius is um, very broad. It's loose. <laughs> it's very loose. What You know, I'm in the business Greensboro, of, I'm just kidding. <laughs> not quite Greensboro, <laughs> but, um, you know, Sarah Care's in the business of bringing people to their to the, to the center. So we're not in the transportation business. However, we provide transportation whenever possible. And if we can make it work, we're going to make it work. So the radius is not defined. Um, it's just more or less whether or not we can, can help that family member out. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, what can somebody expect? I know, you know, we talk often about, you know, how to prepare yourself to walk for the very first time and tour a nursing home or tour an assisted living community or kind of how to screen home care agencies on the phone. But what should a person expect and prepare themselves for when they're taking a tour of an adult daycare center? I think they, you know, they need to go in with just an an open mind um, and they need to visualize what what different types of people are there um, in terms of their abilities and their their, you know, physical and cognitive um, abilities, what activities are are available Um, for us. You know, what's really important is for us to get to know that person ahead of time. We always offer a trial day um, for the person to come in um, for four hours and just so that we get to know them a little bit better and and they can get to know us. Um, But we're getting a lot of information about that individual ahead of time. For example, um, I tell everybody, do not ever put me in a bingo game. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I will flip out if you make me play bingo. So (laughs) we're asking those kind of questions. What does she like? What does he like? What did he used to do? All of those kind of things to get to know that person. And then from there, we're going to put that um, individual into um, activities that would best be suited for their abilities and their interests. So, Nicole, you know, do not put me in a bingo game. All right. I'll remember that. I might buy you a bingo game for your birthday as a joke now. (laughs) I'm going to store that in my memory banks. And, and that is one thing, you know, I, I've noticed, um, and, and I've seen this kind of moving forward a lot in assisted living communities as well, as people are really trying to get to know the person. And, you know, you know, you may have a men's group or you may have a card group with people who like to play specific type of cards. And you're, I think, always reevaluating where folks are at and, you know, whether or not they're sinking or swimming in a particular social engagement. And then if they're not doing well, then you kind of move them along. And I think that's really important because part of this is again trying to combat that social isolate social isolation and to make sure that that older adult that's in there actually wants to go and feels like they're welcome so nicole what's important to realize too is that you know there's a lot of people that say oh my you know my mom or my dad or whomever she's not, not that social she's mm-hmm. kind of an introvert or whatever i 
totally get that. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big game, yeah. you know, put me in the middle of the of the party either. But we all need to be in social environments. So whether right. we're in the middle and we're the, you know, the life of the party <laughs> or we're on the peripheral, it's still good for us cognitively to be around others. And the way our um, center is set up is we have all different rooms. We have libraries, we have a den, we have a quiet um, serenity room, and then we have large cent- large rooms as well for bigger activities. So there's lots of different things that can be offered. So you don't have to think, oh, this is all about playing games all day long. It's not. Some people are tired. They want to rest after lunch. They can do that. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe they want to take a a book and read in the library. They can do that. And then they can go a little bit later and join one of the group activities. The other thing I really like to stress to families is that although we do a trial day, four hours doesn't paint the picture for anybody. So what I always encourage families to do is just to mentally commit to trying it for 30 days, whether whether they start out at a two day a week minimum or they go full on, you know, five days a week, whatever it is, but to just mentally commit to trying it for 30 days because it's something new and, and people have to get used to the routine. Exactly. And you're going to hear a lot of I did nothing all day. I mean, it's just similar. You know, I, I, I don't like to necessarily relate it to children, but the reality of it is, is, you know, my even my 15-year-old will come home, what'd you do today? Nothing, right? But then, you know, you see pictures of everything that went on in science lab, and it's like, okay. You know? So, and for us, what we do is we want to partner with the, with the family member. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're communicating with them. We want them to know what the individual did for the day. So we do something called sharing the day. And it's where we've got pictures of that individual of, of different things that they did throughout the day and a little summary. And then we do a, a meeting with the family at the end of the day when they come to pick up to say, hey, this is the sharing of the day. This is what she did. Yep. Um, so this, you know, that information allows for the family member to once see that things are going on, but also to help with a conversation where At they could say, you know, mom, tell me about this. You look really like you were having a good time right. there. What, you know, what was that all about? And they can have, have that conversation. Something to talk about other than what time is it? Right, exactly. <laughs> she is Marsha Gerald, Executive Director of Sarah Care Adult Daycare Centers. Uh, Marsha, what's the best way for f- people to get a hold of you or Sarah Care? Uh, best way is the old-fashioned number, uh, old-fashioned way with the phone number of 919 919- Seven four six seven zero five zero. That phone number again, 919-746-7050. Just don't ask Marsha to play bingo with you. That's all, the, all that we ask. <laughs> oh, no. we got to take a quick break, but we'll be back with more. Stick around. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Claggett from Transitions Guiding Lights, here's your host, Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with the lovely Nicole Cleggett. You know, we talk a lot about caregiving and a lot of times people don't find us or think about caregiving until they're thrown into a crisis or a situation that they're not prepared for. And, you know, you're, you're scrambling so hard to do this and it's hard to 
be prepared for what you may be in for as a caregiver and the the levels of care that your loved one may need. Exactly. And especially if we're talking about um, an illness that is probably not going to be short term, more of like a long term Mm -hmm. illness, such as a dementia diagnosis. And oftentimes, as caregivers, we really underestimate the length of time we're going to be caring for someone, the degree to which we're going to be caring for someone, and then how those needs change over time. So I'm super excited today to be talking to Gina Murray, who is the founder and director of Aware Senior Care, and they are a private duty in-home care company right here in the Triangle serving older adults in our community and their caregivers. So welcome, Gina. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. So I know that you work a lot with uh, families who are caring for older adults with a cognitive impairment. Talk to us a little bit about what you find um, that they're discovering as they finally reach out to need some assistance. Well, as you alluded to, many times the families that come to us, they're in a crisis. Mm -hmm. Something has happened. They may have had the dementia diagnosis for a couple years, but everything was fine. (laughs) Going along fine. They had a little bit of support. But then, you know, they left the pot burning on the stove. Mom walked outside in her bed clothes. um, And they're kind of like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? So they're in a crisis, and we... uh, we need to step in and see what we can do to help them. And we know, you know, typically most people want to age in place wherever they call home. And a lot of times families are really in support of making that happen. What do you think we should be doing as a society, Gina, to really prepare ourselves for the needs of the older adults in our lives? Because I really don't think we give a lot of thought to what folks are going to need in the future. We just basically kind of all go along in our happy little rosy ways and and not really think about, number one, that we're aging, and number two, that our parents are aging. Right. And and there's things you can put in place now um, at, at any age. If you're looking at your home, even if you're in your 50s or 60s, you don't consider yourself old, but you can look, do you have wide enough doorways if something happened and you needed a wheelchair? Um, Access, are you on one level? Just different things that you can put in place. Uh, Do you live where you can take public transportation if you can no longer drive? Can you walk to the supermarket? So there's things you have to think about now before before something happens. And I think we're just basically wired to really not want to see what's going on with our loved ones. Or or perhaps we just aren't educated enough just because there's so much to understand about the aging process. And, and people oftentimes will notice things going on with their loved ones, like that they're isolating themselves as they're becoming forgetful or they're forgetting to pay a bill. People are just you know thinking, well, that's just normal for a person who's aging. But the reality of it is, is a lot of these things are not. That's true. And the things, the changes happen are so subtle and you can kind of chalk it up to, oh, well, mom just forgot that. Or my husband, he usually gets lost when he's driving. The changes that happen are so subtle that you don't even realize um, that they're, that these are going on. It could be a friend who hasn't seen them for a while or a family member that comes from out of town, hasn't seen this person in six months. That, when did this happen? And you're talking, what, when did what happen? Mm-hmm. Um, and the folks with dementia do a really good job early on covering up. Yeah. They're working so hard to to not let anybody know that they're struggling. And they're scared. I mean, I think where it really, really comes down to as a, hu- as, it's, as a human race is that we are wired to survive no matter what. So whatever right. we have to do to pull ourselves into the core of our being to make sure that we're going to keep on plugging along, we do. And then there's the whole issue of losing control. Right. And 
they don't want to admit when they get a diagnosis if i say it out loud then it's true and if i never admit that i have dementia or i'm having forgetfulness then it's not going to happen it's the um putting your head in the sand oh yeah i mean and and i'll be the first one to say i'll do that with my little minor ailments as they go along oh this tooth kind of hurts oh i think i'll be fine oh it feels better this week i'm fine there really probably isn't a cavity there and then the next thing you know you could have dealt with a little filling and now you need a root canal i mean and that's just unfortunately that's the truth. A small it's... example of how we handle things in our lives, most of us. Um, you know, then you have the other end of the people that go to the doctor when they have a pimple on their face. And, <laughs> but, right. but most of us are not wired that way. We're not. We're not. We're like, it'll go away. And, and unfortunately, dementia won't. It's, mm-hmm. it, everybody's journey is unique, um, but it's going to progress one way, unfortunately. So what are some of the things that you hear from family members when they're first calling into AWARE Senior Care, reaching out for help? Kind of what gets them to that breaking point? Um, Like I said, usually it's a crisis or they're just exhausted, mentally or physically exhausted. Um, It's not uncommon for people with dementia to have their days and nights flipped. So their spouse, their loved one is up all night. And so the person caring for them is sleep deprived. And then they're trying to maintain the house. They're still trying to work. So they've just gotten to the point of complete exhaustion. And then they finally reach out to you. And a lot of times, I'm sure, when they're reaching out to you, they still haven't even broached this topic to that family member. So what's some advice that you can give to families listening right now that might be saying, yeah, this is sounding an awful lot like what's going on in my life. How do you have that difficult conversation with a loved one? Um, We'll talk to the family. We do um, meet in their house to see the environment. And what I'll tell a loved one is, you know, this can be help for you, not necessarily your husband who has dementia. You know, we provide support because you need help, some help with the household tax, tasks. Um, so it's not his caregiver, it's assistance for the family. Um, we can also say, will you allow this person to be here so that your wife is comfortable going out? And they're just gonna make the meals and do the cleaning so she won't have to do those things when she gets back. Mm-hmm. And they're, um, they're more accepting that way. I'll, I'll do this for the person that's taking care of me, the person that I love. I'll do it for them. Exactly, instead of doing it for yourself. And, and that's yeah. one of the big tips that we give folks at Transitions Guiding Lights is when we're talking to the families, you know, sometimes that person, I don't care if they're 95 years old, they're just not ready to receive that care. They're never going to be the consumer of care. They, they've always got this. But if you can have an open conversation and discuss your feelings with that individual as that family member and just let them in a little bit, not to make them feel guilty, but help them understand how this is impacting you and how this would help you, That's right. then a lot of times that person is a lot more willing. And frankly, a lot of older adults are still very, very concerned about leaving money for their children. And so they're so worried about tapping into that little nest egg that they have to provide care for themselves Right. And, and they, and they want to leave for their loved ones, so they'd rather suffer. Right. They, they're like, oh, I don't want to spend this money. This I don't want to do this. Right. This is going to be for you. You know, we've had adult children say, but I, I'm going to lose my job. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going to lose my <laughs> livelihood because I keep skipping work, you know, to go to doctor's appointments because there's been a crisis, because there's been a fall. And so we'll say, I'll, when we meet with families, we'll say, tell us, you know, Tell us how, what your day is like and describe this. And they'll say, oh, that's okay, my daughter does that. Oh, that's okay, my son does that. But are they leaving work to do it? Do they have children 
you know, are they missing things in their own children's lives that, you know, let us do some of the tasks and let your children be family again. That's a great point. We've got Gina Murray here in the studio. She is founder and director of Aware Senior Care, and we're going to continue our conversation with her right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. With your co-host, Nicole Claykett, here's the host of Aging Matters, Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with the lovely Nicole Cleggett. Ah, that's our, right. Yeah, see, see, I'm a quick learner, Nicole. I, I know my place. And we've got a special guest here in the studio, and that is Gina Murray. She's founder and director of Aware Senior Care. And we're talking about some unexpected items and occurrences that folks may not think of when they're in a caregiving set caregiving situation dealing with someone with an Alzheimer's or a dementia diagnosis, Nicole. And I know the, we, we're knee deep in this conversation and we've got uh, another segment here. So let's get right back to it. Yeah. So, you know, I think one thing that people perhaps underestimate is really the changing roles. When you're a family caregiver and you have a loved one who becomes um, incapacitated by an Alzheimer's diagnosis or a dementia diagnosis, and your roles suddenly have to change, um, that can really be overwhelming. It really can. I, um, I have a dear friend whose wife has Alzheimer's, and what surprised him the most was he was so focused on what, what she would need in her care, and he realized, he had never done the laundry. He had never made the shopping lists and made all the meals. They had traditional yep. husband and wife roles for, you know, the 40 years they've been married. <laughs> exactly. And he said, this is exhausting running a household. <laughs> so, well, at least the kids are out. That's right. Their kids were grown. But he was like, wow, this is a lot. Yeah. So, um, it can be really overwhelming. I mean, just picturing my own life, you know, we have a farm in Johnston County, and I'm like, we have something were to happen to my husband. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've been on the tractor a couple of times, <laughs> as far as that goes. You ready to take that over, huh? No, not so much. I haven't unlocked the chicken coop before. I don't even know where that key is. But the but reality of it is, it's on top of worrying about that loved one and providing that care, then you really have to figure out, you know, how am I going to maintain the household in the way that it was? And then, of course, you know, you know, me now in my 40s thinking about that, that's one thing. But if I were in my 70s, that would be a whole other ball of wax. Right, right. It's And it's really hard. You know, the older we get, it's harder to learn new things. And yeah. You may not want to do that. Exactly. So. <laughs> I may want to binge watch something on Netflix that day. That's right. <laughs> not that's that I get right. to do that that often, but it's it's a thought. You know, I think another thing that we often underestimate, and sometimes we bring up, but it's super important, is the real the grieving process. You know, it's similar to somebody with a traumatic brain injury. You know, they don't wear their injury on the outside. They're not walking around with a sling, right? right. Uh, so the, the, their injury is really inside of their brain, and, and their loss is really inside of their brain. So that person may look okay, and he may even talk okay, seemingly, you know, at first blush. But that family member is really grieving, and it's a very, very, very long goodbye. And one of the things that I often talk to families about 
is is really a part of that grieving process where the very first stages where that individual has the dementia and they realize that there's something wrong and different and difficult about it. That's really the most difficult part for them because they're spending a lot of time trying to cover it up. They're scared to death about the loss, the future losses that they're going to have. And then when we move into those middle stages and those later stages, that's the hardest time for the family when they are, you know, forgetting loved ones' names and really needing that physical care and all that support. And they're, they're a shell of who they once were. Right. It's, um, it's really difficult. Um, my mother-in-law does have dementia. And it's hard when people say, she looks wonderful. And she does. Um, but you can't see that her brain is broken on the inside and, and she no longer recognizes her grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Um, she still recognizes my husband, which is nice, but it's, it's painful. It's painful to watch. And it's just, and everybody's journey is unique. It's, that's the, I think that's the hardest part. If you know one person with dementia, you know one person that's with right. dementia. That's right. We're all so different, right? <laughs> it's true. It's, We're all quirky in our own ways. <laughs> yeah. I, really, I always recommend getting support, joining a support group, even having someone to talk to. My friend doesn't want a support group, but he does have a friend who has a spouse. Mm-hmm. And they just they have that mutual time together that they can just say, I understand. And, you know, the other piece of all this is there is so much information out there on the web. And I often caution people, um, a lot of people after they go through a dementia journey with a loved one, to your point, it was one person with dementia. And these were the tricks and tips that worked with that person may not work for your loved one. So you need to be very, very careful when people are out there blogging and posting about, you know, what they do, that it's actually something that is typically accepted and reasonable to care for that individual with dementia. So we like to often say that we really need to stick to some of those main websites, like the Dementia Alliance, like Alzheimer's Association, the Mayo Clinic, Johns Hopkins, some of those real reputable organizations. Right. We, that, that's really good advice because you can get oh, information overload mm-hmm. or, well, my neighbor said this. And like you said, well, stick to the people, the, the real resources that know. And to your friend, you know, who doesn't particularly care to go to a support group, support groups are very tricky. You know, I've been running them for my entire career. And um, similar to having children, you know, you, you get you find out you're pregnant, you, you fall into two camps. You're either the type of person who wants to know everything to expect as soon as that sperm and egg gets fertilized, all the way to what does the afterbirth look like, and you want to know day one, where other people literally want to only know what's going to happen the next day or that day, and they don't want to know all that information down the road. So support groups can be very scary to people if they walk into one where it's a bunch of people that have loved ones with various different parts, phases of the disease process. And so you really need to know who you are. And then reaching out to organizations that have the support groups, it's okay to ask, you know, what types of family members are in the support group? What stages are their loved ones in? Because support groups can be very, very beneficial, but they can also scare people off if it's not the right fit for you. That's a good, that's a really good point. And talking about the right fit, when you're looking at um, families, caregivers, different adult children, spouses, everybody has a different ability in caregiving. Um, I might be very comfortable giving my mother a shower, doing personal care, where my sister's like, no, I'll handle the bills, but I am not helping with any of the personal care. So not assuming that everybody can play every role in the caregiver. Well, they've got this huge family. Why aren't they helping? Right. People need to help in their own way. Exactly. And, you know, another thing that 
you know, we often run into as family caregivers is that superhero mentality where you've got your cape on and you've got this and you're going to handle this and you're doing fine for a while there. But at some point, there is not an infinite amount of energy you have to put forth in caregiving and you're going to smack and hit a wall. So it's super important, even in the very beginning stages of your caregiving journey, to really build in that time for yourself. Whether or not you need it on, in the first weeks of your caregiving journey is really doesn't matter. If you don't build it in, it's just like building in an exercise routine, it's never going to happen. And consider that exercise for your mental health. Allow people to help you in the beginning when that diagnosis happens and people are rallying around you because after a while, if you keep saying no, it's not that people are being mean. You've just said no a lot and people aren't just going to keep offering if you keep telling them no. Exactly. Exactly. And it's hard to say yes Mm -hmm. because you do feel like I can do this. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, we see um, the caregiver, the one going down, and then you're really in crisis. Right. So Mm -hmm. we've had a family, the husband took care of the wife until he had a stroke. And then... And then the whole family is in a crisis. Exactly. So talk to us a little bit about Aware Senior Care, kind of who you are, where you operate, and how folks can get in contact with you. Oh, thanks. So my husband, Tim, and I started Aware Senior Care um, almost five years ago. And it came out of um, experience of taking care of our dads and wanting, just wanting to do it a better way. Um, Comes from a love of caregiving and that caregivers have to have the right heart as well as the right skills. Um, So we serve the Triangle. They can give us a call. Um, We have a website, whereseniorcare.com. We have, if you want more information, we're happy to do it. We have skills, we have tools online to help you see where you are in your journey. Mm -hmm. So, and you don't have to put your information in. All (laughs) all of that is easily accessible. We're not gonna call you. We're not gonna call you. (laughs) We'll contact you if you'd like us to, but, but please, we have um, a number of people in our village. We love to support. We're one piece of the pie that helps the seniors. And um, if we can't help you, we would love to help you find somebody who can. One piece that is often confusing for people is kind of how these types of services get paid for. And so uh, typically, private duty in-home care is a private pay scenario. Right. Un- unless the, um, the client has purchased long-term care insurance mm-hmm. and qualifies for under their policy. Um, so if they do have long-term care insurance, we can file everything and, and take care of it that way. But typically it's private pay. And folks can receive this care literally round the clock if needed. We do, we take care of folks 24 seven. Awesome. And that's great to know. Again, that website, awareseniorcare.com, awareseniorcare.com. The phone number, 919 436-1871. Gina Murray, founder and director of Aware Senior Care. Thank you so much for coming in this evening. Well, thank you for letting me be here. We're out of time for tonight. Thank you so much for listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Have a wonderful night. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. For more information, log on transitionslifecare.org.